This coming Sunday is Pentecost, which has me thinking not only about Jesus' disciples, but also about King Arthur and ships. Stay tuned to find out why. Hello friends, Pastor Tim Westermeyer here. Thanks for taking a little time to be with me today. Uh, this episode is airing on Wednesday, May 19th. So that's the Wednesday before uh, the Sunday uh, that is called Pentecost, the Festival of Pentecost. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that today in a few ways. Um, I always think of Pentecost as concluding the first half of the liturgical year. The liturgical year, you may remember, begins with Advent. It moves through Christmas and then Epiphany and then moves to Lent and then Easter and ultimately to Pentecost, or the day of Pentecost, I should say, which actually is included in the Easter season. That's again 50 days after Easter. The word penta, of course, related to things like um, pentagram or pentagon, it means five or 50th. So the first half of the year is all about Jesus, right? We hear about his birth, we learn about his teachings, uh, we learn in Lent and Easter about his suffering and ultimately his death, and then at Easter we learn about his resurrection. Pentecost is sometimes called the birthday of the church. It's when the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples at the Jewish festival of Pentecost, and the church is born effectively, which means the second half of the year, beginning with the Sundays after Pentecost, is all about us. It's saying to us, okay, Christians, you've heard about Jesus in the first half of the year. Now it's up to you. How are you going to live? What are you going to do with this information? Uh, how are you going to share God's love? And I want to lift up three ways to sort of think about that charge or that challenge. And the first is the disciples themselves. We've talked about this before, but one of the most powerful things about the Easter story is that, of course, Jesus is put to death. And what happens to the disciples initially? They hide behind closed, locked doors. They are understandably scared and afraid and worried for their own safety. And then the event of Easter happens, and they become absolutely convinced that Jesus has come to them, and they do what? They get out from behind those closed doors, and they start, among other times at Pentecost, talking publicly about Jesus. They have been called, they have been sent, they are on a mission, uh, which ends in almost every case of all the disciples in their own death. So something shifts that uh, galvanizes their entire life. So that's one example I want to talk about. Uh, the second example um, is, I, I just discovered this actually today. I was doing a little research about Pentecost. Maybe some of you know this story better than I do, but it turns out that King Arthur, that great, the Arthurian legend, right, and the Knights of the Round Table and all the rest of it, every Pentecost, he would gather his knights together and they would swear an oath. It was called the Pentecostal Oath. And they would talk about what will we do and what, what won't we do. Again, the emphasis is sort of on um, we have some responsibility in our lives to uh, extend good and to limit evil. Um, and they were recognizing that, again, on Pentecost by swearing that oath. I kind of, I, I like that. It, it's, again, a reminder of this quest um, that we're sent on as Christians. 
The third and final thing, so we've talked about the disciples, how they shift after Easter from scared and afraid to going out into the world. We talked about uh, the Knights of King Arthur and how they swear this oath on Pentecost every year. And the third thing I want to lift up is actually the stained glass windows in our sanctuary, which may seem strange, but if you, there are 24 of them. They begin, they're very biblical, obviously. They start with Genesis on the far, what, east side of the sanctuary. They move through the Old Testament and the prophets, and then ultimately move to the life of Jesus on the sort of, what would it be, um, west side of the sanctuary and then they come around towards the very end to Pentecost that's uh, one of the last panels after Pentecost is St. Philip the Deacon and the very next one is a ship and people have said why the heck is there a ship on these stained glass windows Um, and it's because the ship traditionally has represented the church which is called to do what? to go out into a turbulent and uh, world filled with storms and sail the seas carrying the message of God's love while protecting the people who are in it. And I love a quote from St. Thomas Aquinas, someone we've talked about before, who said, if the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. But of course, That's not what ships were made for. The point of the ship isn't to preserve the ship. The point of the ship is to carry its inhabitants off to the quest they've been called on. So this Pentecost, I just want to remind us as Christians that this life that God calls us to is a high adventure. It is a quest. We have been invited to respond to this call of God in our lives once again on Pentecost to carry a message of love and grace and hope and peace to a world that we all know is deeply in need of hearing those messages. And I pray that on this Pentecost, we can be reminded of that and we can respond to that call. Thanks as always for spending some time with me. Be well, stay in touch, and God bless.